The U.S. and U.K. have always been divided on the issue of humor. British humor is characterized by dry wit and keen observations. On the other hand, the pinnacle of American humor would be an elderly person having diarrhea while riding a jet ski. <laughs> Obviously, this is a subjective issue, and we can't say for certain which country is funnier. What we can do is pit American comedians against British comedians in a pop culture quiz, which ultimately solves nothing. You're listening to International Waters. This episode of International Waters brought to you by our listeners and by Comedy Bang Bang every Friday night at 10, 9 central on IFC. It is a half-hour comedy television program that only looks like a talk show with our very good friend, Mr. Scott Ackerman, the hilarious Reggie Watts on uh, the music side of things, and delightful guests, including but not limited to Amy Poehler, Zach Galifianakis, Seth Rogen, and more. Um, this Friday, as we record this, Amy Poehler sits down with Scott, dishes on her feud with Mad Magazine, and of course, her hair. She's wearing a wig, but she won't admit it. I watched the episode. It was hilarious. Let's get back to the show. Welcome to International Waters. I'm your host, Jesse Thorne. Playing this time around for the land most likely to put a boot in your behind, a comedian and actress you might know from the cult hit TV show Strangers with Candy and the upcoming Adult Swim series Rolling with Dad, Miss Sarah Thayer. Sarah, how are you? Hello, Jesse. Um, see you. I have to ask you a question. Uh, you are in Los Angeles, Tinseltown, yes. and I don't think I... I, I I'm not going to be shy and say that you're Hollywood royalty. Oh, well, yes, I am half of a Hollywood power couple. <laughs> I, I imagine that you and your husband, the similarly hilarious Andy Richter, get opportunities to go to a lot of high-end show business parties. Yes, we do. Well, recently, we're, we're huge Howard Stern fans. Who wouldn't be? And uh, we've made no bones about it. Andy was actually just on their show last week. But we're also friends with Jimmy Kimmel, who is a huge Howard Stern fan and intimate and he always throws a party for Howard Stern. When they do he comes, a lot of kissing. Yes, when he comes into town, he throws him a party. And um, so Andy and I made the cut and got invited to this last party. And it was it was great because a lot of people uh, we worked with over the years. So Louis C.K. was there. I was talking to him for a while. I, but I was really incredibly nervous to meet Howard Stern. So there was like an open bar. I saw Howard Stern sitting across the way. I didn't approach or anything. I, I find it really awkward to be a fan and approach a famous person. It always ends up feeling a little embarrassing, and I, I'm not sure what, what exactly what that is. Um, but anyway, so I drank a couple vodka and tonics, and then Johnny Knoxville, who we've met before and who's just like the sweetest guy from Jackass, he always calls me ma'am, which makes me feel very old, but I know it's because he's Southern. But I guess his thing to do at parties is to bring moonshine from Tennessee, and it's like Dirty looking in Wait, a jar. That's his thing that he does. Yeah, he brings actual moonshine. <laughs> he has a few other things. I mean, he well, also like jumps off of things with his yes, nuts attached to different exactly. things. Exactly. <laughs> He's a diarrhea jet ski person that right. you were talking about, um, but younger. But anyway, he brings moonshine to parties and he poured me a shot and I 
the last thing I remember is sipping it gently. And then <laughs> apparently the next morning, Andy told me, I just came up to him swaying and said, we have to go. <laughs> to which I replied, and we did leave. And Andy said, the valet parking. He said, don't worry. The only people who saw you were me, your friend Kelly, and the valet parking guy, who was very concerned. <laughs> um, and <laughs> was very worried about you getting in the car. And um, – and so uh, I did say to my husband, I was like, at least I have the good sense to know when to leave. You know, <laughs> I didn't make a scene. I didn't go, hey, everybody. Howard, I love you. You know, I didn't do that. I, I mean, said, Howard Stern is known to have a distaste for the dramatic. Yes, exactly. No, I mean, I didn't want to be fodder for his show at all, one way or the other, which is probably why I avoided you know, introducing myself. I would be terrified even just to share words with him because I'd be worried that, like, the second thing I told him was the exact details of how I lost my virginity. Yeah. That I'm not so worried about. I'm more, because I'm a woman, I'm more worried about him judging me on how hot or not I am. That would be, that would be a concern. Um, And in this case, how apparently drunk I was (laughs) after just two sips of moonshine, so... Do you think it's possible that it was some kind of fuel that you were drinking? It tasted like it. It tasted like dirty grappa. Like, that's all I can, like, motor oil grappa. Um, and I remember spilling a little bit on my dress, on the hem of my dress, and it just evaporated immediately. <laughs> I was worried about this, the wet spot, and then I was like, oh, it's gone. Yeah, yeah. What's, what's nice about moonshine is you can also use it to clean sensitive oh, electrical yes. equipment. It was, it, it was <laughs> all about it. That's for sure. Do you have pine salt in England? Do, Do we have what? what? Pine salt. Pine salt. Pine salt. Pa- oh, pine salt. Pine salt. It's like a pine cleaning salt. product that's really. Uh, no, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> I'm gonna say I'm gonna go ahead and presume that they do not yes, have so yes. pine salt in right. England. Do, should we? I <laughs> mean, this could represent- be something we could all go into business with selling that here. It's a great product. Becoming pine salt importers, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I see a future for myself in that. What if what if you were what if you were an expatriate American living in England and you went to like the expat store, you know, like where English people go in the United States to buy their special brands of tea and Cadbury's chocolates, but you went there because none of your cleaning products smelled like pine trees, right? I thought all they sold in those stores was like a thousand different flavors of ranch dressing. <laughs> Isn't that what they sell, what Americans miss when they're in England? Also representing the amber waves of grain, an actor and sketch comedian you might know from the film I Love You, Man, or the hit TV show Children's Hospital, Mr. Rob Hubel. Hey, Rob, how are you? I'm fine, Jesse. Thank you for having me. Wait, you turned into a robot just now. <laughs> I got nervous. I've never been on an international podcast before. Well, this is a, there's a first time for everything, I know, Rob. I'm very, very nervous. When did you I lose your virginity and how exactly? Oh, my God. I was in the backseat of my van. <laughs> you had a van? No, I would. Awesome. I, that would have been cool. I know. I know that. Uh, I know you're. You're probably a Howard Stern fan. We all are. I don't know if you've ever been to a Howard Stern party, but no, have I didn't you ever make been the cut. to? I did not make the cut. Have you ever been to any really good Hollywood parties? Yeah. Well, the only Hollywood party really that I've been to that was like a big good one was uh, Megan Mullally does our show, Children's Hospital, and her husband Nick Offerman from Parks and Rec had a surprise birthday party for her. And uh, he didn't tell, you know, she had no idea. So she literally walks into her house, and there is 200 people there, and she was, <laughs> you know, it was really shocking. And she'd never had a surprise party before, so Nick really made it crazy. Like, they had uh, they had those big, you know those things that um, 
car washes those inflatable men that like they dance yes i call those blowy bands <laughs> yeah those like he had those in the yard and like a, a mariachi band and they had this um mermaid that was inside a big clear plastic ball that was floating on their pool wait and so she no, could like what? yeah and this like woman a was real mermaid a, well i don't know if there are real mermaids <laughs> i think it was an actor portraying a mermaid right but anyway, so that makes more sense. So now he wanted that you say it to that. be this huge spectacle. So right when she walked in, everyone yells surprise, and then these these oiled up uh, uh, guys in loincloths um, <laughs> pick her up on a throne. They had this big throne that w- that had posts so you could carry it. So they put her in this chair and they pick her up and they carry her around the room. These like you know half naked dudes. And and Nick wanted it to be so overwhelming with just like stuff coming at her and people yelling and throwing stuff. And so then when they go when they go by her bedroom, he wanted it to be some bizarre sexual situation happening in her bed. And so he asked me if I would like to be getting fucked by a couple of furries, people in people in animal outfits. So I was like, yeah, yeah, it sounds like something I'd be up for. So. So when she, you know, is carried by her bedroom, I was on her bed getting double teamed by like a bunny rabbit and like a squirrel. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that was like my one good Hollywood party. I mean, we should explain that it was all for charity. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all for the kids. Uh, right. You know, it's everything is to help the kids. How, how long did you have to simulate I, you know the what? fuckery? I, I, and... Really, it was just for a few moments while she was being carried past the room. It was just supposed to that be That like, it was oh. a simulation. But and then, to answer your question, yeah. you know, they, I, I didn't have to how do, do it as long as I did. How do you yourself from that? Yeah, it went on and on for like 20, 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Don't mind me. She's like trying to go to bed at night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was still getting still in her bed. I was still getting bad buddies. <laughs> Playing for the nation where Rowan Atkinson can still open a movie from the cult British sketch group <laughs> We Are Clang, stand-up comedian Steve Hall. Hey, Steve, how are you doing? I'm very well. I'm tickety-boo. Uh, I've, I've, I've never said tickety-boo before in my life. I've become very British that's, all of a sudden. That's because that is a nonsense phrase that you just said. It, I'm gonna is that a thing? That, tickety-boo. That yeah, just, it, it's sort of A-OK. Tickety boo! Wow. I'm gonna. Mean. I'm so tickety boo. I'm gonna have a tickety boo tape parade. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, I have a question for you. So I don't think that I have ever read or heard an interview with an American sketch comedy uh, writer performer where they don't at, at some point say that they that their primary influence is Monty Python. And I wonder if English and British uh, sketch comedy performers are influenced by any American comedy people. Uh, well, because the ones who are successful are all such nerds and losers uh, that they've probably, <laughs> they've probably studied quite a lot of American stuff. So, so it's sort of changing now because now that you can get like early SNL on DVD and stuff like that, yeah, there's, there's more influence now. Uh, but it's more, it's more the sitcoms, I guess, at the moment. But I'm trying to think, what's... There was Kids in the Hall, but that's Canadian, isn't it? Yeah, sure. When I, when I was a kid, that yeah. was kid, Mr. Kids... Mr. Show's in... probably quite big now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Mr. Show's real big. If you're influenced by early Saturday Night Live, does that mean that all of the new 
English sketch comedy shows just have long, long, boring stretches. There's lots of awkward bits. Just like bits 10, 15 minutes that people have selectively edited out of their memories. We get some pre-filmed Albert Brooks bits that don't quite work. <laughs> and loads of reference we have no idea about. <laughs> <laughs> um, joining Steve, a comedian that I saw live and in person performing when I was last in the UK and who is fresh from the edit of a new television program that our British producer Colin Anderson is very excited about. Holly Walsh. Hey, Holly, how you doing? Very good, thank you. Holly, it was very kind of you when I was backstage at that comedy show in London uh, to pretend that you knew who I was. No, I, I it listened to It made me you... feel like an international celebrity. I, I was a bit sort of weak at the knees when I met you. It was quite... I was a little bit nervous meeting you when, when I was introduced to you because I felt like the biggest dweeb in the world that I was so I had not not I had nothing to say other than yeah I really love your show I really love your show about eight times and then I sort of wandered off and cried in the loo well I choose to take the fact that you felt like the biggest dweeb in the world for liking my show as a compliment no 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 I felt Um, like the biggest dweeb in the world for how I reacted around you you were like it was like the Beatles hit New York for me (laughs) Wow, that is awesome. (laughs) Tell me about this new show that you're working on, and uh, when should I plan to start visiting English uh, television websites in an attempt to steal it from the internet? Um, I wrote a show with a friend of mine called Sharon Horgan about um, uh, who was instantly in um, Todd Margaret. Did you ever see that show? Yeah. Yeah, sure. She's the girl in it with, um, she's Irish. Do you know who I'm talking about? Yes. She's uh, terrific. She's brilliant. I wrote a show with her. for BBC Three, um, about a uh, a woman who f- kills her. Well, she she gets falsely imprisoned for killing her boss, and uh, once she goes in, everybody's much happier. Now she's in prison, so they're not that keen to get her out. So it's um it's sort <laughs> of um uh, who done it um, meets the crazy. Now <laughs> I, I have a question: How much uh, interference do you get from producers and network people? It sounds like that was pretty much your concept, and then you just made a show out of it. And are you allowed that? degree of freedom. well they were really supportive and i i really we had such a good time doing it and they really helped us get an amazing cast and stuff so we were very lucky i think and bbc3 is quite a good um channel here because in, you can sort of take a few risks and stuff it's it's sort of um, laid back yeah 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 it's great it's really good am i right in thinking holly because it's a comedy set in a prison am i right in thinking that the working title for the show was my so-called life sentence yeah that was <laughs> what it was called until they said <laughs> the reason why we weren't allowed to use it is because they said on on the epg you know i don't know if you have that when the like the title comes up when you're flicking through the menu they said it'll just be loads of people tuning in thinking they're about to see my so-called life and then they'll be like this isn't what we wanted it's the teenage angst <laughs> Teenage Angst in a Prison might be a good show. Good, good show idea. Right yeah, there. that sounds fun. That sounds like a John Waters film. You guys, I got my period <laughs> in juvie. Um, as usual, I'm on the run from Interpol, having stolen the Elgin marbles in an attempt to participate in a street game in 1940s Brooklyn. Um, I'm uh, currently in my luxury recording yacht anchored off the coast of Ivory Coast. If you listen closely, you can actually hear the townspeople preparing one of their most popular national ditches, uh, a traditional chicken yasa. Let's listen carefully. Guys, thanks for joining us on International Waters. Hey, do we get duty free? (laughs) Duty. Ha ha, duty. (laughs) 
We're going to start the show with a little pop culture warm-up that in an uncalled-for reference to 90s Britpop band Oasis, we call What's the Story? I'll be asking our panelists questions about a variety of recent cultural events. They'll be awarded two points for correct answers and one point for incorrect answers that I think are funny. Since buzzers would make my navigational instruments go all cuckoo, I'm first going to have our teams each pick a word representing their nation that they would like to shout to buzz in. I'm going to start with the United States. What word would you like to choose that represents uh, the U.S. of A.? Feces. You can't use feces. No, you we have feces, feces here. Everybody has feces. That's international. Everyone, but our feces is funny. <laughs> <laughs> you cannot use feces. I don't want an entire All show. Right. All right. Um, but it's just a word. Oh, vomit? It's just words, man. <laughs> Rob, you come up with something. Uh, this just... is just our buzzer word? Yeah. Can we, yeah. Like, can we just be cocky idiots and, and yell Hollywood? Yeah, absolutely. Hollywood, Hollywood sounds fantastic. Yeah. And UK, what's your buzz-in word? I'm trying to think what's our equivalent of Hollywood. I suppose it's Ealing uh, yeah. uh, Studios. We'll shout Ealing. Because that's our equivalent. Yeah. <laughs> the Mar- Lavender Hill Mob. <laughs> sure. The Last made a film in 1953. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Passport to Pimlico. <laughs> they just yell Kubrick. George Clooney, the late Sir Alec Guinness. <laughs> <laughs> Roughly equivalent. Sounds fantastic. Uh, okay, we've got our buzzwords ready. Let's get this thing started. This big-budget movie based on a popular board game recently failed to do big business at the box office. Uh, It sounds like the United States has an answer. Fucking Battleship. Oh, yeah. Battleship is the correct answer. I love that we're going to be yelling Hollywood like 500 times. Why did I pick that? It was a real flop at the box office. Hollywood executives were terrified and surprised by its poor performance. They said, we just assumed everyone was really, really dumb. (laughs) <laughs> here's, I can't believe it didn't work out for I him. give you one point for that, Jesse. Uh, here's our next question. This beloved Saturday Night Live cast member announced that they won't be returning Hollywood. to the show next season. Hollywood. Wait until I finish the question. Oh, we have to wait? Yeah, wait until I finish the question. Well, what if the British people get ahead of us? <laughs> if we successfully get okay, it's Kristen Wiig before... This uh, beloved... I was going to say Steve Martin. <laughs> See what Steel. happened? You see yeah. what happened? Look what happened. See how that happened? This beloved Saturday Night Live cast member announced that they won't be E-ling. returning to the E-ling. show next season E-ling. after seven E-ling. years on the show. <laughs> Sounds more like a safety word when you shout, <laughs> yeah, shout it, it like that. We're actually in bondage situation here. UK. Christian Wig. <laughs> That's absolutely no, cri- correct. It's Christian, not Christian. Oh, Christian. <laughs> <laughs> Did they say Christian wig? Yeah, we Christian. mispronounced Those are different. It. Christian wigs are different. <laughs> okay, well. She, she, wa- she actually works <laughs> in the sound department, and she's been there for seven years. She's done a really good job, and she's, she's <laughs> on the technical side, but that doesn't mean to say she's not part of the crew. So I'm going to give know. one point to each of you, uh, because while Christian wig is an incorrect answer, <laughs> it does amuse me, and so did the commentary on Christian wig that the two of you provided. It was Christian wig. I did say Christian, but I've comment, had a beer, so it came out different. Yeah. Christian wig. <laughs> when asked to comment on wig's departure, fellow SNL alumna Victoria Jackson said a bunch of horrible stuff about gays. Uh, <laughs> um, she is charming. Pop star Rihanna <laughs> recently caused it's a Rihanna. It's Rihanna, by the way. It's Rihanna. Just if we're going to get picky about people's R- names. 
<laughs> Pop star Christian recently caused a stir by posting pictures of herself where? Hollywood. Healing. United States. Uh, uh, sitting on a guy's shoulders, uh, rolling a joint on top of his head. Wow, that is a really complicated... At Coachella. I think that is was... a really complicated description, but that is incorrect. I think it was a, was it a, um, was it a line of cocaine. It looked like cocaine, but there was a rolling paper. No, nobody, even <laughs> hardcore people, don't roll cocaine and smoke it. They got, you got to cut that stuff. Especially with on something. someone's head. It yeah, was, but... she was rolling it on a guy's head. <laughs> it's a bald guy. That'd be a waste of cocaine. <laughs> was it her naked is on a actually... um, running machine? On a treadmill. Yeah, that's on called a treadmill, a treadmill dear. <laughs> <laughs> dear. <laughs> wow, I hadn't, I had not heard about either of these, but they're both awesome. Yeah. So I'm going to none give, of these are the answer because not the answer that's written down on this piece of what's, paper in what's front your, of me. What answer do you? Have? I give, but I'm giving you two points each for those because if they're not true, they should be. Uh, the correct answer, according to this piece of paper, is a strip club. At a strip club. While her representatives are concerned that the move will alienate her younger fans, they do realize that this will make Rihanna more relatable to drunk frat boys and old guys in denim vests. So, (laughs) What's going to alienate her younger fans is the movie Battleship. (laughs) Although, you know what? I have an 11-year-old son, and he's like, I'm sort of curious to see Battleship because I heard Rihanna had to take acting lessons to uh, do her role. (laughs) Your 11-year-old son sounds like a grown man. Yeah. (laughs) Is is your 11-year-old son Alan Alda? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Only in my dreams. And my mother's dreams. Um, Will Smith recently did what to a male red carpet reporter? Porter who tried Hollywood. to kiss him. Uh, sounds like the United States buzzed in early on that one. Yes, he um, he slapped him away. He slapped the Ukrainian reporter in the face. That's absolutely <laughs> correct. Reached for comment. Smith's Fresh Prince co-star Alfonso Ribeiro remarked, "Yay, people are talking to me." Yeah. <laughs> you know, have you seen that clip of when when the guy tries to kiss him? Like, no, it's so strange because. Will Smith kind of backhands the guy, but then he's so fucking charming. Like, then he just does that weird, like, insincere laugh of, <laughs> like, I'm smiling, everything's perfect. <laughs> just a guy trying to kiss me on the mouth, no big deal. Like, <laughs> that I hit. Yeah, he gets yeah. away with it. Yeah, he punches the guy, he slaps the guy in the face. Well, I kind of feel like if Will Smith tried to hit me, I mean, you know, as long as he didn't, like, do serious permanent damage, I'd just be like, well... I never thought I'd say this, but I think I'm on Will Smith's side. You know what, Not you're for right. hitting, no. but, but I feel like, what if a guy did that to a woman? Yeah. I, well, okay? you know, I mean, like, what if a guy can, because that's that guy's shtick, right? Yeah. He tries to kiss people on the mouth. That reporter. So, but what if he went around doing that to women? I would probably kick him or push him. Yeah, it's something. just too. That's you, you can't get in someone's like that's crossing no. the line. Yeah. I mean, it's, I'm not on the red carpet a lot like you guys. Oh man, it's I'm on there all the time. <laughs> I live there. I'm always on carpet. <laughs> well, there, there was the thing a few years ago where uh, when Tom Cruise was at the premiere in London, and again it was a a wacky. TV stunt where some bloke squirted water in his face, uh, and, the yeah. big, and the big response was, "It could have been a terrorist." Right? <laughs> it could have been acid. Nine Eleven Part Two. I mean, <laughs> Steve, Holly, you guys walked the red carpet on kind hearts and coronets. What was your experience there? Well, it was difficult just getting because the the, the tail was all chasing Alec Guinness. And also, you would get arrested if you publicly kissed a man in public. So uh, there was very different rules about kissing on the lips, man to man, then. 
That's right. Everything's changed. I do want to say I support men kissing each other on the lips, though, generally speaking, as long as it's consensual. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I don't, I don't think you can sneak it in. You can't uh, go mouth raping Will Smith. That's, that's, yeah. not, that's not on. <laughs> let's, let's draw a line in the sand here and say for once, yes. finally the fight back begins. <laughs> Will Smith's look, mouth is off limits. Look, if you want to do this to a B-level star, if you want to do this to exactly. James Brolin, yeah, yeah go ahead, but you can't do this to a national treasure like that, Will Smith. Is that a way to out people? Like, what if the guy just, lo- and they just totally <laughs> made out? Yeah. Oh. If they just totally made out for like a minute. That would have been so great. Yeah, and then Will Smith breaks apart like, whoa! whoa. <laughs> and then just, he just whips light. out one of those men in black sun. memory eraser things and tries to apply yeah. it to the whole world. Yeah. That's the way I felt like when George Clooney got arrested for, uh, you know, protesting genocide in Darfur. That's a campaign. And when they were showing all those pictures of him in handcuffs, I was just thinking of all the women who were drooling over him in handcuffs. Just beating off. Yeah, like, yeah. oh! <laughs> Forget genocide. I want some sexicide. Is that what it's called? That, that didn't you're work. Just ta- you're didn't, just talking about spermicidal yeah. foam. You know, going from the strict Latin definition, that did right. not work. But. Um, at the end of that round, the United States leading the UK five points to three. Let's go on to the next. You're listening to International Waters. I'm your host, Jesse Thorne. On this episode, for the United States, we have Sarah Thire and Rob Hubel. And for the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, we've got Holly Walsh and Steve Hall. We've come to a round we're calling now, that's what I call a music round. Since 1983, the Now That's What I Call Music compilations have collected the most popular radio singles of the day on one handy album for people who want to have CDs around the house but don't really care what's on them. We're going to be plucking songs from those albums and giving you the year that they were released. You'll get one point for identifying the artist and one point for the song title. Buzz in with your power word once you think you know the answer. The first song is from the 2011 compilation. Uh, Hollywood. Hollywood. Yes. Hollywood. We've got a ring in from Hollywood. Uh, It's Foster the People is the artist. That's correct. And all the young uh, kids with the pumped up kicks it's pumped up kicks that's absolutely correct it's pumped up kicks by foster the people i think that you may be a ringer because you actually have children in yes. me now that's what i, I call 11, demographic yes i have an 11 year old who is i've completely i'm not one of those parents that's like my child will only listen to the ramones Isn't that fabulous <laughs> <laughs> because I, I will kill myself you if they like listen Alan to Alda. anything else yes exactly yeah. do i still sound like alan Alda? no that annoys me to no end when people put their kids in onesies that say sex pistols on them and stuff like that i just think you got to, like, let go of your kid. If you're not going to let go and let them listen to horrible pop music, what happens when they start bringing people home that they're dating? Like, are you just going to be well, You're ju- trying to get your son laid? Yeah, totally. I mean, he is, he's almost 12. <laughs> this is Hollywood. He was, br- he was brilliant in MASH. 
I feel yeah. bad now for all those baby gifts I send out of Sex Pistol t-shirts because I do. I am the asshole that, like, when someone has a baby, I'm like, yep, you get a Sex let's Pistol. Let's punk that baby up. Yeah, let's punk that baby up. <laughs> it's like showing you also... your record collection via somebody else's kid. Yeah. I don't know. It annoys me when people have that much invested in their kid's taste because, you know, as a parent, you're supposed to let your kid go a little bit, you know? Yeah. I Even. think the, where Rob really crosses the line is when he pierces other yeah, people's piercing. kids. <laughs> Yo, that's something I do for free. They're, they're that's actually illegal. Pierce is very illegal. And yeah. you no, do that. Nah, that. That's a gray area here. The piercing of children's cheeks it's, it's is very, uh, very illegal. I don't know. I mean, I don't know the laws, but, uh, but we're trying to relax. We're trying to relax the regulations on tattooing. That's the, uh, that's yeah. the next step. As long babies. as you you use fresh needles every time, I don't think there's a problem. The kids love it. I mean. The I mean, he definitely does that when he shoots them up with heroin. I mean, you always use a clean always. needle when you're shooting up a baby yeah, with heroin. Yeah, I mean, look, kids, kids, uh, they love to have fun. You know? <laughs> Nobody wants a yellow jaundice baby <laughs> no. from, with hep C. So Absolutely not. Uh, our next song comes from the 1996 compilation. Yo, man. Yo. Philadelphia. I mean, Philadelphia, what is it? Ealing. 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 Shaggy. It wasn't me. We go now to Tom Hanks with their answer. <laughs> I, think, I, don't know, I don't even want to know the train of thought they got me. Does she stay? <laughs> Holly's got something you very gave. important she'd like to tell the world. Um, okay. It's uh, Shaggy, it wasn't me. That's absolutely <laughs> correct. That song starts off like that. You got that yes. in like two notes. I know that's so because I've used it. Man. I've used it a lot of times in real life. The lyrics. And it, isn't it really that song speaks to about me. Sneaking in the back door. <laughs> I I liked it I, for a second. There, Holly said, oh. "I've used it a lot of times in real life." Before she clarified that she meant that lyric. Right. And I was trying to think of practical no, 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 applications this is, for the song, this song. It wasn't me by Shaggy. Yeah. <laughs> like you know, it really calms dogs down. Yeah. Or. Holly stand-up routine. She's actually the premier Shaggy impersonator in the <laughs> yeah. UK. You wouldn't know yeah. to look at me, but I am awesome. Where's their Shaggy? They call her Miss Where's Boombastic. <laughs> Counting the money from these 16 million copies that that album sold. <laughs> yeah, oh, all for, that, do, all for right? that one song. Shaggy they might as well have bought Now That's What I Call Music, whatever it is. <laughs> I, I heard a radio commercial for a Shaggy concert recently, and I found myself thinking... Who wants to see a Shaggy concert? Yeah. It's just 90 minutes of... <laughs> now, you are the, we should mention that Sarah is America's <laughs> and then always Shaggy the last impersonator. Really good. You Sarah discovered Holly, the link between, uh, between Shaggy and Cab Calloway there. <laughs> <laughs> sort of a Scatman Carruthers type thing. Scatman Carruthers, I was just thinking about him the other day because I often think of that movie, The Shining. But uh, also, that's just such a good name. When you say think of, you mean have nightmares about. Yes, yeah, yeah, mate. You, you he know, he travels just, a, hell, a, a hell of a long movie. way in that film just to get an axe in the chest. It's yeah. like a plane exactly. and then a snowmobile ride. 
<laughs> yeah, he gets brutally snuffed out so quickly. But think of it, think of the air miles that he amassed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's something he can leave his family. That's really nice. <laughs> is that transferable in an estate? Are those subject to estate taxes? That's another question. Or as our Republican friends call them, the death tax. Um, our next question, our next uh, song, excuse me, from 2004. One, two, three. Philadelphia. Hollywood. Wow. We've renamed Philadelphia. So fast. United States has this one. Uh, hey Ya by Outcast, Andre 3000. That's, That's absolutely that correct. First. Yeah, with Philadelphia, we got we said our own name wrong. That's absolutely correct. We've become some some sort of Alzheimer's quiz team now. (laughs) Just ask us the same question every time we'll get it wrong. (laughs) I have some trivia. I have some trivia about Andre 3000. What city houses the Liberty Bell? (laughs) Philadelphia. What's your trivia about Andre 3000? Um, He is playing (laughs) Jimi Hendrix in a movie that they're shooting right now. Really? Yeah, uh, cool? Is this the one that the Hendrix That's estate, the they don't approve of it? Yeah, they don't and like I, the think idea that, the, I think because they're not getting any money from it. I think yeah. that's what it is. And they <laughs> and they can't use, the movie can't use uh, music from the estate or whatever, but evidently a lot of the music that he recorded were covers that are like, you can license without going right, through the Like estate. Red House. Yeah. But yeah. otherwise it's going to be, hey, Mo. Hey, yeah. I think it would be fun if he did. Purple days. If he did, if he did a movie about Jimi Hendrix, but it was just he just did outcast songs. He just did Rosa Parks. Oh yeah. Oh no, hush that fuss, and that would be fun. I'm sorry, Miss Hendrix. (laughs) (laughs) Our final song from 1984. Ailing. Ealing, Ealing. Wow. That's impossible. Wow. UK. It's a free Nelson Mandela, uh, and it's by the specials. That is absolutely 1,000% per- mm. correct. Well, I was British a- band. Yeah, I was against what? the freeing of Nelson Mandela. So. <laughs> <laughs> we used to, the only reason I know that is that my sketch show, we used to use that as walk-in music. Approximately <laughs> 16 years after he'd been released. You, you, <laughs> you saw yourselves as sort of a post facto activist coming. Exactly. Through. Just trying to make sure he was still free. It's a thought that counts. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> At the end of that round, the United States still hanging on to a three point lead. You're listening to International Waters. I'm your host, Jesse Thorne. Now's the time on our show when we welcome a celebrity guest to help us challenge the cultural metal of our panelists. Later, we'll be asking our panelists to pitch our guest potential next projects. But first, let's chat with a talented musician whose new album is called Artificial Heart. He's also the house musician for the new NPR quiz show, Ask Me Another. Mr. Jonathan Colton joining us from his home in Brooklyn, New York City. Hey, Jonathan, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you doing, Jesse? Oh, it's wonderful to have you on the show, Jonathan. Uh, You are now officially... Uh, my competition, my direct competition in two different categories. Weekend yeah, public I, I, radio program <laughs> and novelty quiz show. Yeah, I feel I feel weird about that. I don't want to be in competition with you. You're my friend. I, well, we used to be friends. The now, gloves have come off. Right. 
<laughs> yeah, now we got to fight it out. We got to figure out some way to take each other out. Well, does one of those schemes include having me on your show as a guest? Because if so, uh-huh. mission accomplished. Go, go, it's, it's darn like it! Leno and Letterman doing the Doritos commercial. Together. <laughs> Fabulous. <laughs> so, Jonathan, tell me, tell me a little bit about this uh, quiz show that you've gotten yourself involved with over there at uh, National Public Radio. Yeah, it's National Public Radio. It's public ra- radio. It, uh, it's on nationally. It's a show called Ask Me Another. <laughs> Uh, I didn't ask you about the distribution scheme. Well, I don't know if we're being talked down to. (laughs) I just don't know if you understand radio, Jesse. That's all. Uh, Shouldn't you guys be talking in those hushed, halting tones that not all national public radio people talk? No, no, no. We're talking Ira Glass style. We're uh, we're young people. We're young people on the radio, so we're allowed to talk loudly. Stutter for me like Terry Gross. (laughs) (laughs) Is that like how Frasier talks? Yes, it's approximately how Fraser talks. It's a sort of Fraser y Alan Alda type talking. That's right. If you imagine a Fraser meets Sarah Thyer's 11 year old son, then I think you've got the picture. Um, I do do find it kind of funny the way the NPR uh, tone does sort of settle on things. You know, we, we, it's the show that we do is like this. It's a it's a pub quiz basically. It's trivia and word games, and there's a live audience, and there are contestants from the audience, and you know we try to make fun of as many people and things as we can uh, over the course of the show. But it's still ultimately, you know, just because I think just because I know it's an NPR show, I think I do modulate what I say and the way I say it a little bit just to sort of fit in, you know. Can you say stuff like cocksucker or <laughs> diarrhea? You can, I think you can say diarrhea, but I'm pretty sure you can't say cocksucker. Oh. Unless it's somebody's last name, in which case, that's fine. You can get, like, you can get like contact NPR high, too, public radio high. Where I did a reading once with a bunch of public radio people, and I just, when I was reading, I... I started breathing through yeah. my nose like Garrison <laughs> Keeler. <laughs> and then I had to stop and comment on it and then go back to my regular voice because it's, it's contagious. It is. It's absolutely contagious. You are the house musician, but you also serve as a sort of a, a you know, something like a co-host on the program. In your new, more hosty role, um, what's the toughest or craziest situation you've run into? Well, my favorite thing about doing the show is the stuff that happens when you get uh, audience members on stage, and they're you know they're very nervous because they're doing it's all in fun, but they're they're actually competing against somebody in this trivia contest. They get very nervous. We have these metal bells that they ring, and it's surprising how often you have to actually correct somebody's usage of the bell. There is a woman <laughs> There is a woman who was so nervous that she it's like these hotel bells, you know. She was so nervous that she was gripping the bell and so when she rang it it just went tink 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 like that. We had to stop her and explain to her how to use the bell. But that's my favorite thing is is making fun of people who do silly things. I um I think that I'm prepared to abandon our planned rivalry. Um, as, you know, public radio slash quiz show enemies. But I think that we should probably team up against our friend and colleague, Peter Sagal, the host of the much more successful than ours, basically more successful than our show's put together show, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, because he can take the abuse, you know, he can take a few punches. Well, Um, it's like like the deal you make in Monopoly when somebody has all the money, you know, the enemy of my enemy (laughs) is my friend. Yeah, exactly. Let's do this thing. This is like Game of Thrones. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, yes. Where's the sinewy blood? My top is off right now. <laughs> <laughs> 
I am, I've been completely nude the whole time. I am swarthy <laughs> and kind of raping right now. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> um, Jonathan, here's the thing, though. On the Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, their, like, signature prize is Carl Castle's voice on your home answering machine. NPR news announcer Carl Castle will record people's answering machines. Was there a lot of pressure on you guys coming down from the top at NPR that you have to come up with a signature prize that's as catchy as Carl Castle's voice on your home answering machine? Uh, you know... I don't know. I don't know anything about pressure from upstairs because I'm I'm talent, Jesse. I don't have to worry about those things. Right, right. Again, Sorry. I think he's talking down to you, Jesse. <laughs> but I can tell I can tell you that the our signature prize is uh, is a special uh, NPR Ask Me Another Rubik's Cube, and that's pretty awesome. That is pretty good. <laughs> That is pretty good. Well, listen, Jonathan, you're in an exciting time in your career. Your new album, Artificial Heart, is a smash hit, and you've entered the growing, thriving industry of radio broadcasting. And his show has bells. I mean, we had to come up with our own buzzer words, Jonathan, but your show has bells. So yeah, no, I'm, obviously I'm doing very, very well. <laughs> Everything's coming up roses for old Johnny Colton. As a service to you, these show business professionals are going to pitch you your next project. The winner, as determined by you, Jonathan Colton, will receive five points. We're going to start on the east side of the pond with the UK. You've got Jonathan Colton, singer, songwriter, and quiz show host on the line. What is your pitch for Jonathan Colton's next big project? Uh, Well, I think given that there's the songwriting and the quizzing. I think it's time to combine the two uh, <laughs> and have the first interactive trivia album released. Uh, where uh, it'd be quite tricky logistically because it would involve you singing, s- singing a, a question and then waiting for your fans. They'd have to, they'd have to download that for, from wherever they chose to download it from and then sing their own answer. Right. Or like a, a big concert, what, you know, when sort of um, rock stars hold the uh, microphone out to the audience. Yeah. <laughs> like Freddie Mercury, you yeah. go like, who is the patron saint of laundry workers? Yeah. Goes, saint Ursula! You all know this one, what's the tallest mountain in South America? <laughs> <laughs> Rock and roll trivia, you're saying. <laughs> yes, that's exactly it. I like, you know, Jonathan's released a, a lot of his music in uh, digital formats, but this is one of the first releases that I think might work best in the Philips CD interactive format, which you can rent at your local Blockbuster yeah. store. Like the film strip <laughs> format. Beep, <laughs> turn the page. Yeah, the CD-ROM, they used to call it, yes. Yeah. You can make it into like an Xbox game as well. <laughs> and there's also sort of like a pad on the floor where you have to sort of kneel to give the answer. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so you have to sort of pledge fealty? You have to kneel down to respectfully give the answer to the quiz master. <laughs> this is getting even more Game of thrones yes. Assume the position. <laughs> um, United States of America, what's your pitch to singer-songwriter Jonathan Colton? Can I give him my yeah, pitch? Do it, do okay, it. Uh, I'm going to give you a pitch to, for, to revive a, a particular geek pleasure of mine, which is Burl Ives. Uh, when I was when I was little, I'm a huge Burl Ives fan. I'm not even joking. When I was little, and I'm not talking about his snowman, that snowman silver and gold business. That's old. That's, that's for you know, amateurs. Yeah, that, that, silver was, and gold. He, he was lying in a hospital bed at that point. I'm talking about when tra- he was young. Can he just young. translate? Can he translate for us who Burl? Oh, Burl Ives is like a, an American folk singer. Uh, 
activist. Um, see, I know way too much about him. He, uh, but they would know him from the Christmas specials. Yes, and he he played Big Daddy and in, in Cat on a Hot Tin Roof with Paul Newman uh, and Elizabeth Taylor. Uh, that, if you ever that, saw that, that the Mendacity. Yeah, he gives. That I was properly Mendacity confused. Speech. I thought I honestly thought it was connected to burlesque. That's because not yet, but he, he did wear pasties <laughs> when, at I, all <laughs> when I was young, they were, they were very large pasties, by the way, <laughs> when I was uh, young, I had a children's album and almost every song on it was a burlized children's album was about like the, the mutilation or flaying of a farm animal, but it's it sung in, in the most joyous way. And like, you know, there was a song called The Sow Took the Measles, and it's like, the sow took the measles and she died in the spring. But then it was like, but what do you think I made of her hooves? The very best glue you ever did see. And it's like, lists all the things he made of the, the parts of the pig. And, and then there's another song called The Goat, where the goat pisses him off, so he ties the goat to the railroad tracks. And, um, it's it's really great, and I think that that kind of animal torture, uh, mutilation songs for children should, love should make a comeback. Kids, Kids do love, love Kids do love gross stuff. Wow, that it's is a, a really a lot of serial killers start torturing you animals, don't they? Yeah, exactly. young, go on to kill. Right. Yeah. So you don't want your children to listen to like the Ramones or no. other high credibility <laughs> rock and roll music. You just exactly. want to keep them focused yes. on. Folk, folk right. child right. animal murder music of the 1950s and 60s. Burl, I put them in Burl Ives onesies when they were babies, <laughs> and they all wear they wear Burl Ives t-shirts to school every day. They're total outcasts, but they're going to grow up and and be something special. I'm sure. We'll have to They'll find those obscure an Ramones. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's an there's going to be like an obscure Ramones B-side called I Drowned a Kestrel. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I had but I did not. <laughs> Look him up. Look him up. So what do you think, Jonathan? Yeah, Jonathan Colton, you've got two compelling pitches before you. One is a children's album of folk songs sung in the Burl Live style, which is to say <laughs> about various ways of dispatching and using the carcasses of animals. That's a moneymaker right there. I mean, that's cash money. One is an interactive quiz rock and roll album, uh, which I think really would work well in the Philips CDI format. I'm I'm not going to let go of that. Um, It worked for Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. Um, Jonathan Colton, which one of these do you prefer? Well, first, let me say that both of these ideas are fantastic ideas. (laughs) <laughs> Am I required to only do one of them? I can't do both of them? Well, I mean, you can do both of them. I mean, in fact, we insist that you do both of them. That's That was part of your... Did you sign the release that we gave you? That also had a, a requirement that you pursue all projects pitched to you on this show. <laughs> I guess I, I should have read that, I guess. What direction do you want to move in? Do you want to move just a little bit into the past or way headlong into the past? Yeah, well, I, I have to say that, you know, the the, uh, the the rock and roll trivia interactive album is certainly an intriguing one uh, because it has that uh, that that combination of, it's a, it's a sort of forward-thinking thing, it's a new format, but it's perfectly suited for the old format of CD-ROM. So it has a touch of charming... <laughs> antiqueness to it um but i have to say practically steampunk i was gonna say it is a little bit it's a little bit steampunk a little bit npr which is my brand um but i have to say uh you know the one thing that i think really moves the needle 
on uh, someone's career is a bit of controversy. And I can't think of any better way to stir up controversy than to do a children's album about animal mutilation. So I have to go with that one. It's true. <laughs> That's five points for the United States of America. Let's move on to the Jonathan Colton questions. Jonathan, on your most recent album, you've got collaborations with great musicians like Suzanne Vega and John Roderick. And so in honor of this great fact, we are going to have you ask our contestants some questions about other famous collaborations. You ready to do this thing? I'm ready. You're an actual professional quiz master. You have more experience doing this than I do. Yeah, you don't have to ask me if I'm ready. This is what I do for my job, Jesse, so you can bet I'm ready. <laughs> I'm telling you, Jesse, he's talking down to you. <laughs> uh, I think at Public Radio International, we're used to the National Public Radio people giving us a little bit of this. You know, a little bit of this tone. Well, Jonathan, uh, let's go to the first question. All right, the first question. Watch the Throne is an album recorded by which two famous Hollywood. rappers? Can we get clear that we're supposed to wait till the end of the question? <laughs> but then what if the other team yells, buzzes in? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. then they might get the points. All right. I can't believe right. you guys haven't solved this most basic problem in quiz show format. <laughs> <laughs> okay, ask it again. Ask it again. We won't talk. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. Watch the Throne is an album recorded by which two famous rappers? Ailing. UK. It's uh, Jay Z and Kanye West. That's absolutely. So wait, see what oh, that was polite. that was we that we stole that like we stole castrated? the Elgin marbles just yeah, then. See, this is why we broke apart from your country. Right. This is what <laughs> because you're sneaky and you're cheaters. <laughs> hey, we we the ones. You're a couple into of George the Thirds. <laughs> Let's go to the next question, John. Wait, is that is that like Bef a really bad insult? Before we, before we start. <laughs> you guys got so quiet. I thought it might be hurt. like so <laughs> bloody. That or one hurt. How we very thinking, dare you, sir? You were thinking of yeah. like putting the power out of that. that um, <laughs> what did you say? I didn't even hear you. I said you're a couple of George the Thirds. <laughs> is that a rhyming slang? Yeah, it's, I don't know. <laughs> it, could, it sounds like rhyming Cockney slang. rhyming slang for turd, <laughs> is what it should be. But, uh... Do you understand the principle of rhyming slang? <laughs> yes, I do. Yeah. Okay, well, you just called us turd, so fuck you. You can take anyone from each, from each nation's history and it sounds like an insult. So yeah. you're, a, you're a bunch of Martin Van Buren's. How do you like that? <laughs> wow, well, you will not talk to us Let, like that. Just don't call me William Howard Taft, okay? <laughs> I just want to point out that Martin Van Buren is also a potential Cockney rhyming slang. <laughs> <laughs> for what? For, for urine, I presume. <laughs> for urine, yeah. um, But you've got to go, for, for it to be proper Cockney, you've got to go, I'm just off for a Martin. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody says, I have to go to the bathroom, and then you say, a George or a Martin? <laughs> <laughs> or a George R.R. R. Martin. Or a, George Martin. a George Martin is also very poignant yes. <laughs> to at once. Uh, it's more of a Brian Epstein I've got to take care of. <laughs> um, That's wow, trash, okay, right? That's Jonathan, trash. what's the next question? Please, can we please question. just ask the next question? The next question, here we go. Pizza Hut restaurants in the Middle East have combined pizza... With what other popular food? Hollywood. Oh, United States knows this one. Pizza with cheeseburgers. That is absolutely correct. They did what? The crown crust That's pizza has tiny cheeseburgers baked into the crust. Restaurant industry analysts have described the fact that this is available in the Middle East and not in America as, quote, super weird. 
Unquote. <laughs> we're, we're asking for another terrorist attack. I think we're trying to sap the terrorist's will. Like, Do you but... think that this is possibly there? Maybe there was an Al Qaeda in the Arabian Peninsula plant in the Pizza Hut marketing department that wanted the perfect symbol of American cultural imperialism. <laughs> They're like, what if we bake cheeseburgers into the crust of a pizza? I think you're just trying to kill them off with cholesterol. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a very, it's, it's death to the West, but a <laughs> really be, long game. Yeah. Too, too obese to fit into airline seats to fly over <laughs> Okay, Jonathan, what's the next question? The fastball special is the result of which two comic book characters teaming up? Wow. We've never had this long of a pause before. I I don't feel very Hollywood. (laughs) It doesn't count. She she said our buzzer word, but that does not count. She's not buzzing in. Hey, can I just say, does anyone here know anything about comics? No. Okay, yeah. then none of us know. So only do we the call un- it, only the Do we try and ones. like? Do we, do we join together? Guess. Do we join together and try and get out of this with some yeah. sort of yeah, let's dignity? Join together. Yeah. yeah, then it'll I be know. a huge success, like let's the war see, in Iraq. Uh, George okay. the Third and Martin Van Buren. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think, <laughs> yes. what, are, what are the famous British uh, comic characters like Dennis, Snoop, uh, Dennis the Menace, Dennis the Menace, and Charlie Brown, yeah. which is American. No, that's Snoopy. Both of Both his parents were British. Dennis the Menace is like the most American thing that's ever. Existed, but I think it wasn't. It was drawn by. It was done by two different artists, was it? Oh, now you guys, you guys get Producer Andy Collins Cap says there were two different Dennises. <laughs> Andy Cap is yours. Dennis the Menace is British. Is very very British. No, there's it's, two it's what? Dennis the Menace. Dennis the Menace is British. How get over it. You guys get on with your life. Move on. Was, was one of them first? Is this, of Dennis is this like the a Sanford and, and Sons? Ultimate Dennis the Menace. Guess what? The, Beck, the Beckhams are British too. So we've got them and Dennis the Menace. I can't. Well, I never thought. And yet, we've no been one getting on fairly well. I never thought Dennis the Menace would be the thing that things kicked off over. We're hot. we're running around the question. What was the question again? The is, fastball is your, is your special. Is your answer the American Dennis the Menace and the British Dennis the Menace? Is that <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's our answer? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's incorrect. The correct answer is Wolverine and Colossus. The fastball special is a fighting move where the mighty Colossus literally hurls Wolverine into battle. That's homoerotic. Yep. Well, I mean, it's from a comic book. And he leaves, he leaves claw marks <laughs> down his back. <laughs> We've got one last question, Jonathan. Okay. Say, say, say is a duet by which two pop stars? Hollywood. Oh, United States. Uh, Michael Jackson and Paul McCartney. Yeah, that that is absolutely wait, correct. How, wait, where that was, sums us up. That sums this podcast up. Where were you, Eileen? Oh, that's so beautiful. Where were you? I'm, I'm actually an <laughs> Live together <laughs> in perfect say, harmony. Is it? Is say say say? Side by side on my piano. Piano. <laughs> oh Lord, why can't we? Is this the one where they go on the weird hayride in the yeah. video? Yes, yes. That is so weird, also. right? Yeah. That is the weirdest. It's the most unbelievable. Why are they going ever. on a hayride together? Yeah. Because <laughs> friends. Just, That's what millionaires do. Just two bros hey, growing out. Guys. Just a pedophile and a pothead hanging out. Yeah. We're going we're going on a hayride later, right? We are oh, we're yeah. definitely That's true. going we on a hayride. We are yeah. all going on a hayride. Don't knock a hayride till you've done one. That's all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Jonathan, let's get I a... miss Michael Jackson. <laughs> I miss him too. Yeah. God. 
<laughs> I miss I miss Paul McCartney. Also, I miss Paul yeah. McCartney. rest in peace. That's great. <laughs> At the end of that round, the United States squarely kicking the rear of the UK uh, with almost double the points. Jonathan Colton, thank you so much for joining us on International Waters. It was a joy to have you. It was a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Jonathan Colton's latest album, Artificial Heart, is in stores now and online at jonathancolton.com. It's absolutely wonderful. Produced by John Flansberg from They Might Be Giants, uh, and it's just a delight. I think you should really go out and grab it. And he's also the music co-host of NPR's Ask Me Another. It's an album that's heavily weighted in favor of America. So, with the United States continuing to hold a narrow lead against the UK, we come now to the final round. The winner of this round will, as is customary on our program, receive 1,000 points, making all of the previous (laughs) rounds irrelevant. What? Hopefully you weren't trying too hard for the rest of the game. I've been killing myself. Wake up, Rob. Come on, let's go. This is the big English question we've been holding out for, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like yeah, this will be Norwich super obscure. Most, in, most <laughs> impacted by the Reformation. Which letters in the name of this English place are unpronounced? Neely. <laughs> <laughs> um, this round's game is called In Defense. Each team will have sixty seconds to leap to the defense of a cultural force that is widely considered to be bad or weak or sucky. The best defense, as judged by me, will receive the points. For the UK, you will be defending reality competition shows. While very popular in the US, reality shows like American Idol and Big Brother were first launched in the UK. Since you're behind, you've got the first shot at this thing. You have 60 seconds to defend reality competition shows. Let's start that clock. Um, reality competition shows are a vital part of a comedian's income uh, because they always have various bad spin-off programmes in which you have to comment uh, as a comedian, supposedly wittedly, uh, on the way the different housemates or singers are interacting. And you can make upwards of £25 <laughs> per comment. And usually you have to say things like, well, I'd never wear that dress, or those two are definitely going to have sex. Uh, <laughs> Plus, it's an amazing way of um, of boosting your Twitter um, account. But you get many, many followers just from saying simple things like, "What's wrong with her? She looks like she's got an allergic reaction to singing," <laughs> and such like. <laughs> also, reality shows—they're effectively—they're basically a sort of sheep herding for the mentally ill. That rather than having these people in their self-deluded lives running off potentially on platforms, singing at people potentially with knives, they're they're all collected in one major city at any one time. Uh, and they can only hurt uh, the viewing figures of the BBC. Also, people like <laughs> Simon Cowell, if they weren't on television, would probably be multi-murderers. Is that a word? <laughs> Multiple murderers. Multiple murderers. Multi-murder. That's time. I find you guilty of multi-murder. <laughs> Well, like a multi-bat. You did it in bulk. That is a true. You get time off. You get you get a shorter sentence for a multi-murder. You get a discount. That, I, I like this. I like this uh, argument. It's sort of a. It's sort of a sort of nanny state type argument that these are a combination jobs program and population control measure. Yes. Socialists, you socialists. 
Um, United States, don't get too arrogant because you will be defending flip-flops. There was a time in American life when flip-flops were confined to the shower at the gym or maybe a Jimmy Buffett concert. Currently, it is socially acceptable to wear them even to legitimate social and business occasions, despite the fact that it forces everyone around you to see your gross, nasty feats. United Eats. States team, I don't think it's you, have, <laughs> you have 60 seconds to defend <laughs> flip-flops. Start that clock. I want to say that there is nothing sexier on the human body than the human foot. Any man can get instantly hard by seeing another man or another woman's foot (laughs) in public. Imagine the hard calluses softly tracing down one's body. Just from the jobs angle, I would say it keeps lots of uh, people in business giving pedicures. I also want to say when I was a child, I went to the beach without flip-flops and walked across hot sand and endured painful third-degree burns on my feet. (laughs) And I wasn't able to walk for about six weeks. And it was so traumatic that it really fucked me up. And I would have... Six weeks. Six weeks of not being able to walk. And had I had flip-flops, I wouldn't have had to deal with that problem. As far as I'm concerned, if flip-flops keep more people out of Crocs, then I think they're providing an invaluable public service. That's time. (laughs) The lesser of two evils argument. (laughs) And, of course, the classic boner argument. Classic. Well, uh, they're they're both compelling arguments. I have to say, though, that in this time of economic crisis, I am inclined to go with the big state solutions of the U.K.'s arguments (laughs) in favor of of reality competition shows. There's nothing that we need more than more jobs for the skillless, such as comedians like our contestants on the program (laughs) today. Excuse me, I don't think tanned people are skillless. I think people who are uh, capable of tanning to that degree that reality show contestants are have quite a skill. So these guys get 1,000 points? Yes, we get nothing. 1,000 points and the victory... To the U.K., um, perhaps they can celebrate by forcing the United States to ignore the fact that Ricky Gervais has become a little bit insufferable. <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. He's an atheist. You, you Didn't you know? I heard. I had heard. Is that your impression of Ricky Gervais? He's an atheist, don't you know? Uh, yeah, well, he would be saying, I'm an atheist. I'm, I'm an atheist street urchin <laughs> from a television adaptation of a Charles Dickens novel. Well, I'm a Cockney atheist. <laughs> well, congratulations, UK. Do you, do you have any parting words? This is an important victory for me because uh, f- just over five years ago, uh, me and Holly kissed... The twenty, the twenty sixth of April, two thousand and seven, but it was a, it was a fairly disastrous kiss. There was a lot of tooth clashing, so I finally feel that by winning something together, we've sort of buried the hatchet. And Holly, you have no memory of this. <laughs> she left halfway through. I left and sh- shouted. <laughs> you just left really him drunk. with his tongue. And I was really drunk. I, I was really drunk, and I left and shouted. I instantly regret this. The sad thing is that is true. <laughs> that is actually true. <laughs> 
<laughs> wow. I like ending the show with an emotional bang. Yeah, Colin. I like throwing that in under the wire. Colin, can you please hey, you guys set up go? all future yeah, guest pairings to have... <laughs> 40 years ago. <laughs> but that was just at a party. Yeah. I mean, that yeah. was for a theme party. That was like not even. Yeah, that was just a famous Hollywood celebrity party. <laughs> Sarah, Sarah was dressed as a rabbit. The whole That's thing was right. awkward. Yeah. Alan Alder was watching. <laughs> You've been listening to International Waters with me, your host, Jesse Thorne, playing in the United States, Rob Hubel and Sarah Thire in the UK, Steve Hall and Holly Walsh, with special guest, Jonathan Colton. Our theme music, USA vs. White Noise by Ladytron. Special thanks to them for letting us use it. The script written by Jordan Morris. If you think you've got what it takes to write a round of questions for International Waters, email IW at MaximumFun.org. The show was recorded at the new Maximum Fun Studios in Los Angeles by me and by Stuart Barnes at Guilt Free Post London, where our producer was Colin Anderson. Special thanks to our engineer in L.A., Nick White. Hey, International Waters producer Colin Anderson. Hey, International Waters presenter Jesse Thorne. <laughs> I like that you used the British word for presenter. host. Host. I've been thinking that I've got a great idea for the basis for an international feud. What's that, Jesse? Well, I can't help but notice that there are two iTunes stores, one for the UK and one for the US, and that as of right now, there are a lot more reviews of international waters in the US store than there are in the UK store. I'm not sure about that. We've got three reviews. How many have you got? (laughs) More than three reviews. (laughs) Here's what I propose. We've got lots of listeners on both sides of the big pond, so why don't we say that between now and the next month, we'll see how many reviews we can get on each side, and uh, we'll reconnoiter next month and see who won the contest, which will almost certainly be me. (laughs) I I still don't know how many reviews you've got. No matter what country you're from, it's really important for you. If you use iTunes to give a review to International Waters, it's a big part of what gets the show featured in the directory and pushes it up the charts. You can also tweet about the show with the hashtag International Waters. Um, And just share it with your friends. We're really proud of this monthly program at Maximum Fun, and we hope you'll share it. Thank you, Colin. I'm glad that we could have this fight together. (laughs) Uh, Thank you, and I'll see you later. Bye.